0: tool
1: and i'm sean reedy
0: and this is friday night frights
1: a podcast about eternal glory and gaslighting
0: for sure
1: Mm -hmm. tonight
0: we are doing the lodge which is a wild film like
1: (laughs) it sure is
0: (laughs) the longer you think about it like i i do think it's a good movie i really do like i did enjoy it but like the longer (laughs) you think about it the longer you're like wait a minute how'd they do that (laughs) <laughs> we should say so usually our general attitude about spoilers is that it's been anywhere from like 25 to 40 years since the movies that we're talking about were released so like get on that shit however mm-hmm. given that this is an extremely new, new movie it's like a year old um, if you have not seen The Lodge you should probably pause this episode and go watch it Yes. Because there will be spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't care about that, it's fine. But w- we, are, we are going to be talking about this movie in detail. And that includes revealing all the twists and turns. So mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it and you want to be surprised by what happens in it, definitely watch it before you listen to the rest of this episode. Yes.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree.
0: But before you go to watch the movie... Mm-hmm. Why don't you go ahead and make the Shock tale with which to watch the movie? Because,
2: because it's, it's Shock-tale.
0: Shock-tale. <laughs> <laughs> so Shock
2: Tale!
1: So tonight's shocktail is called the Snow Angel. Katie, what is in the Snow Angel?
0: The Snow Angel is essentially boozy hot chocolate, which we are all here for. Uh, it is now this recipe that I'm about to give you makes about four servings Um, if you're a normal person or if you're like me you split it into only two which was probably not the best plan ever however I stand by it (laughs) it is I mean so it is two cups of the milk of your choice Sean used oat milk I believe Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for his, I used a um, combination of one and a half cups, whole milk, and a cup of heavy cream because go big or go home. Right. It's about seven ounces of good, dark chocolate. Mm -hmm. Like, this is crucial. It cannot be crappy chocolate because (laughs) you're basically going to be drinking this chocolate. Uh, And you're going to want to chop that chocolate up
1: rights so it melts properly
0: Mm a couple of teaspoons of sugar you're going to put all of that you're going to put the milk and the sugar in a saucepan and heat it up don't let it boil boiling milk is no bueno Uh, and then you're going to pull it off the heat put the chopped chocolate in and allow that chocolate to melt you might have to stick it back on the heat a little bit but if you do stick it back on the heat um, just make sure that you have it over a very low flame. So that's your recipe if you just want plain old hot chocolate. Um, because that is, is decadent and delicious on its own. However, if you want to kick it up a few notches, I added, uh, a, about a half a cup of Kahlua. And about, um, a quarter cup of Triple Sec. And then divide into mugs and enjoy. So it's basically, it's essentially like a B-52 shot if you used hot chocolate instead of Bailey's. And of course that is in reference to the hot chocolate that uh, Aiden makes for Grace? Grace. Yes. Her name is Grace, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fine. Not like we have a podcast or anything.
1: Um <laughs> Well and I mean like why would a preacher not name his daughter Grace, let's be real.
0: Obviously. Right? She I mean, grew up in a cult, of course her name is Grace. Of course. Um I made sure not to so just make sure when you're making this drink not to add so much booze that you forget where you've put your furniture. <laughs>
1: mm. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I'm on the opposite spectrum where I'm like, live your fucking best life. Forget <laughs> where everything is. Trip over things. <laughs> <laughs> Just collapse onto the ground with your hot chocolate <laughs> happiness.
0: Think that, think that you've <laughs> lost several weeks of time. It's, it's fine. Yeah, Everything's fine. On.
1: Everything's fine. So, The Lodge is um, directed by Severin Fiala and Veronica Franz um also written by both of them and also written by sergio koski um are sure. gonna we're gonna hope that i'm pronouncing his name right if not then my sincerest apologies um this is um severin and veronica's third movie together so the at least like third like main movie like they did the field guide to evil and then mm-hmm. um just before this one they did good night mommy um mm. which i feel like is kind of where they got their like starter claim to fame
0: mm-hmm. yeah for sure
2: mm-hmm.
1: so it's funny i actually watched in in uh, like a quick interview with them with kevin smith um for this okay. movie um and okay. a- apparently uh uh severin was, that, like, how they met is that Severin actually was babysitting Veronica's kids. He was, I think, like, 14 at the time. And she was paying him with VHS tapes that they would watch together. Huh. <laughs> and then they just became friends and, I guess, decided writing movies together. Decided yeah, right. to write movies together. So,
0: a little fun fact there. That is a fun fact. Not sure how I would have felt if I was that kid's parents. Like, Uh, she's paying you in videotapes? Right. Like, Mm. you don't want to make money?
1: Right. Well, she apparently pointed out that he was not the greatest babysitter, so...
0: (laughs) That's funny. Right? (laughs) That's really fucking funny. (laughs) The film stars Riley Keough, Jaden Martell, Leah McHugh, and uh, Alicia Silverstone and Richard Armitage. Mm Mm-hmm. Jaden Martell is building quite the, the little career out of being in uh, horror movies, or at least, at least, because he was in It.
1: Right, of course.
0: Right. Um, he was also in Knives Out, which I guess is not entirely a horror movie, but it is a it is a dark comedy about murder. Mm-hmm. So it's adjacent, for sure. Great 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 movie yeah i loved that fucking movie <laughs> it's so good um so good um, but yeah he's he's building quite the little little niche for himself as a uh, as a horror movie actor and he he plays he plays psycho pretty well
1: yeah he really does
0: in this movie yeah <laughs> yikes and a half
1: and just a complete departure from his character in it which i mean obviously like that makes sense but like Right, like this is not Bill <laughs> at all.
0: Right. Yes. No. Bill. Bill is like the. Really, Bill is really the hero. Like he's the. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like the the main kid. Like they all have huge roles, but like, it's his brother. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and in Knives Out, he's just kind of like a dweeb, like a little. Alt-right, bro, preppy kid. Right. So, you know, so I think that's definitely closer to this kid than mm-hmm. than Bill is, because this kid is just a full-on sociopath. Like, there's no other explanation.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, we can talk about motives and motivations for what he did, but... And I mean obviously his sister was involved, but you definitely get the feel that like he was the ringleader of it. Yeah, he was definitely Especially the mastermind. Since she's like eight. Right. Um, <laughs> like she's like eight or nine and he's he's like, you know, thirteen or fourteen, so mm-hmm. he definitely had a much better grasp on the gravity of what they were doing. Mm-hmm when we were watching this with um we watched it over like a video call with a few of our friends mm-hmm. and when alicia silverstone popped up we were like oh. <laughs> it was like wait <laughs> like, what you could tell it was all children of the 90s because we were seeing there <laughs> like i oh, it's alicia silverstone
1: right <laughs> <laughs> And then she was gone.
0: <laughs> and then she was gone very quickly. Yeah. Very quickly. Like, this is... She was not... Like, that's a pretty big name to exit the movie after three and a half minutes.
1: Yeah. Seriously. <laughs>
0: like... I mean, I guess Richard Armitage is a pretty big name as well, but he also wasn't in it very much.
1: No, he was not.
0: Really just at the beginning and then at the end.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Riley Keogh was the main was definitely the headliner of this movie. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I... forgot how many horror films that she's in. Yeah. Especially as of recent. She was in It Comes at Night. Um, She was in The House that Jack Built. She was... um, I mean, it's not horror, but she played a little mini-character in Riverdale. I also forgot that she was in... um, Under the Silver Lake, which is, I, it's like a thriller-ish, but it's the same director that did, um, It Follows. Um, Oh, I see. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Like, she's been in a decent amount of stuff. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, Kiss of the Damned. Like, she all up in this shit. Mm -hmm. So.
0: Yeah, also carving herself quite a little niche.
1: Yeah. She was in Mad Max as well, Fury Road, but that's not really, that's more like action thriller.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't really categorize Mad Max as like horror related. No. It's pretty straight action. Mm
1: -hmm. So the film starts with a dollhouse Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and this dollhouse is actually um, referenced numerous times through the film. It's kind of like a it's it's kind of one of those things that they will repeatedly show in between scenes and you'll see Mm -hmm. that it changes even though the dollhouse is not where like it's at their home and not with them at the lodge. But it's changing.
0: Yeah, the dollhouse actually confuses me a little bit because... Mm -hmm. It's a little bit inconsistent, yes. right? Because I mean, I get it that they are at least for most of the movie trying to lead you in the direction that something supernatural is happening. Mm-hmm. But then once you are, once it's revealed that there is nothing supernatural happening, the dollhouse is not then explained at that right. point, right? right? It's like, so what's happening with the dollhouse then? Like, is there something supernatural happening? Are there su- supernatural forces? sort of pressing on the children to make them do this, right? Is that maybe like maybe the spirit of the mother, I don't know. Like it doesn't I it doesn't seem like the spirit of the mother would do something that would ultimately lead to you know, the potential harm of her children. Right. But, but yeah, the dollhouse the dollhouse has never really explained given given what the twist is
1: right and like i think that it was kind of one of those things that they're like this looks cool and is cinematic like like the cinematography of that aspect of it is very like intriguing and kind of pretty in a way and it and it adds to the overall feel it's, of the movie, but it right, doesn't... It's eerie. Yes.
0: It, it adds an eeriness. It's like, oh, this, this dollhouse is reflecting what's happening.
1: Right. But it doesn't add to the plots necessarily.
0: Right. I suppose it could also be like the... Because the little girl is the one who's playing with the dolls. Mm-hmm. Right? So it could be like that she is sort of doing this... Um, that she's sort of arranging the dolls in such a way... As sort of, like, an expression of her trauma and, like, her her guilt about what they're doing, maybe? Mm-hmm. She definitely seems to feel more remorse about it than her brother does.
1: Yes. Yes,
0: she does. Her brother's a sociopath. But mm-hmm. <laughs> like, So I do want to shout out real quick the fact that when we were watching this, mm-hmm. the one who got the twist first... Was our friend Amanda. Yeah. So, like, right there, Amanda, I do do believe that Amanda listens to the podcast, so we will give credit where it is due. Amanda got the twist first. Mm -hmm. I was myself convinced that they were dead because (laughs) I personally was traumatized by the others. Right. Like by the film, the others. So now every time there's like any kind of like supernaturally ghosty movie where like you're not qu- quite sure like who the ghosts are, I'm like, they're dead, they're dead, they're dead. <laughs> it's them. They're the ghosts. They're dead.
2: <laughs> They've already
0: died. <laughs> they're already dead. <laughs> <laughs> because i also whenever the others came out i didn't get the twist in that either and so i was like i was traumatized by the others, right so now i'm always like just immediately they're dead
1: no i am completely on board with that because i also did not get the twist in the others until like it actually (laughs) happened and i was like what (laughs) (laughs) well and they definitely lead you in that direction they Um,
0: do i mean pretty explicitly in fact it I started to think that Amanda might be right because they started making it so obvious right. that they were dead. Like, the children started to claim that they were dead. And at that point, you're like, mm, I don't think that's something dead people do.
1: Yeah, like, no.
0: In pretty much every ghost movie, the ghosts are pretty on a, pretty shocked to find that they're dead. Right, like, exactly. You know, Sixth Sense, The Others, The Orphanage, like any kind of movie where like there is somebody who's dead and they're like still a character in the movie they're like yeah no i'm not what clearly i'm alive like what mm-hmm. whether the audience knows they're dead or not they don't start claiming that they're dead so Race. when the children start claiming they were dead you're like what's going on
1: mhm like no 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 so we have alicia silverstone's character laura hall getting ready to take aiden and mia Played by Jaden and Leah. Would like to point that out, by the way. That all of their names... (laughs) Richard is played by Richard. Mia's played by Leah. Aiden's played by Jaden. Laura's Laura's played by Alicia, which is, like, not that close, but not super far off.
0: Not as close. Right.
1: But, like, it's just funny that all of their names are, like, slightly similar, except for Grace's.
0: Right. Well, I mean... In The Shining, Jack Nicholson played Jack Torrance and Danny Lloyd played Danny Torrance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Speaking of The Shining, we are doing another movie in the middle of winter where somebody goes insane during a snowstorm. Yes, we
1: are. It's it's funny. Um. (laughs) It's funny of our timing on this, though, because this actually takes place right before Christmas.
0: That's true. Yeah, because it doesn't, it really doesn't have the feel, even though it does take place at Christmas... Unlike the, like, Christmas horror movies that we did, like, Christmas isn't necessarily a part of it.
1: No, it's not. Like, the most... In fact,
0: they spend most the movie trying to convince her that it's actually January.
1: Exactly.
0: So, it's just, it's just a sort of, Christmas is really just an excuse as to why they are at this place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not really anything having to do with the plot. So it is easy to forget that it takes place at Christmas.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I at, literally, once like the, like the middle of the movie hit and everything disappeared, I'm like, it, it was, it's Christmas still.
0: Right. Yeah. All the decorations. Right. Christmas right.
1: what? <laughs> um, so, um, so yes. Yeah, so, uh, Laura is taking Aiden and Mia to her ex-husband Richard's house. Um, I say ex-husband, they, uh, the divorce at this point is not official. However, Richard send Aiden and Mia off to go like get candy and, um, basically distract them so he can talk to Laura, which he then brings up the fact that he thinks that they should officially or make their divorce official. And it's specifically because he wants to marry his girlfriend, Grace. Now, um, one thing that I really want to point out, and that I want to celebrate the um, casting process of this, is it is so spooky how much um, Grace and Laura look alike. Grace is mm-hmm. literally a spitting image of a younger Laura.
0: Just a younger version mm-hmm. of her. It like, is. he just replaced her with a younger version. Yep. I would like to point out, because when we watched the film the first time, I didn't quite get this. Like, I got that he had left her for this younger woman. And I got that this younger woman had been raised in a cult. I didn't really realize that he met her because he was writing a book about said cult. Mm-hmm. And that's real gross. Yeah, That is like, that's like, dude, not okay. Like, you, that's not something you're supposed to do as a researcher is like, just go ahead and start like, sexing up your your research subjects especially like a woman who you know has this you know trauma and like clearly has major daddy issues and it's just like when i when i read that little tidbit i like was like oh my god really Girl. oh yeah like oh because <laughs> apparently i just i either like willfully ignored that the first time because maybe that's possible um but because <laughs> it's just like oh <laughs> um but yeah so you know also, you know, dad, dad isn't the dad isn't the sort of like man of the year.
1: Oh no, he has multiple um, multiple things against issues. him. Right. I mean, he doesn't
0: deserve what he got. Uh, but <laughs> uh,
1: no, but a little extreme. But well, what comes next is basically Laura kind of ends up freaking out and leaving. She ends up um, going home feeling a little glass of wine she's straightening up her house a little bit sits down at the table and blows her brains out yep and that was while the setup was definitely there the execution of it in the movie was still shocking
0: yeah it is it's it's pretty like you see her brains come out like her head blows off yeah and you're just not expecting it. And I actually think that it was genius to cast Alicia Silverstone mm-hmm. in this. Because people. I know that I thought, and like we all thought, and I'm sure other people watching the movie thought as well, that like a name like that was going to continue to be in the movie. Right. So the fact that she was taken out, a little bit like when. Wes Craven cast Drew Barrymore in Scream Mm -hmm. and then killed her off right away because she was like at the point at that point the biggest star in the movie and so everyone's like oh she's the lead right Mm -hmm. and then she's just gone right um and then of course has like precedent going all the way back to Psycho when when Janet Leigh who's clearly the lead in the movie until Mm -hmm. she's not (laughs) right um
1: so then, of course, we cut to Laura's funeral. Mia holding her doll of her mom. Oh, um, I don't think we pointed out. So she does. So we have the dollhouse. This is clearly Mia's dollhouse. And she has a doll for each of her family members, including herself. Right. So she is holding onto the doll of her mom, sitting next to Aiden and Richard. They end up having like a balloon release And she ties the doll to the balloon and it fails to go anywhere. Right.
0: It's too heavy. Mm -hmm.
1: So she just rips the doll off of the balloon and lets the balloon go out of anger and frustration because I mean, she just lost her mom. So it's -hmm. It's
0: just a little, just a little girl. Mm
1: -hmm. Her feelings are valid. So at this point, the kids have not met Grace at all yet, which is kind of interesting since he was planning to marry her. I'm like, "How long have you all been together
0: Number one, number two, how would you how could you th- even think about marrying someone you have not watched interact with your children Right number three, the mother kills herself like in the summer and then they're like meeting Grace at Christmas. hmm so where were the children? in between.
1: Right. Like, so basically I, what I'm, what I gathered, what I assume was happening was that he was going to see her at her house or whatever. Like they were meeting Mm,
0: separately, like live together. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess that makes some amount of sense, Mm -hmm. but
1: it's just like a weird order of things to me, Mm -hmm. a weird way to go about that relationship. So, I mean, like, you're setting yourself up for failure is really what it is. And Richard's trying to, like, get them to agree to meet her, right? Come Thanksgiving, and this is the point, this is another point where he's trying to, like, get them to join. Was this the point where he was trying to get them to meet right then? Or was this him bringing up them going up to the lodge, the first time.
0: I think this was him bringing up them going to the Lodge.
1: That's what I thought.
0: I think this was him saying, like, I mean, not really getting them to agree because they're children. I mean, he was, you know what I mean? Like, like, he was this is happening. He was saying, this is what's happening. Right. We're gonna spend Christmas at the Lodge with her.
1: Right. And they are not happy.
0: <laughs> they're not happy. Oh. Also, they find his research.
1: Right. Yeah, they find his research about the history of the cult that Grace was in, which is heavily based on Heaven's Gate.
0: Right, yeah, like, also, I guess we should also say that Grace was in this cult, yes. But I think that it is important to the development of the character to point out that she didn't join the cult.
1: No, 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 no. Yes. She
0: was born into it. Mm-hmm. The cult leader was actually her father. yes so she was born into it and for the first you know however many years of her life eight or ten years of her life she was raised in this cult Mm -hmm. so she is highly highly traumatized Mm -hmm. by her experiences there for sure yes
1: because just as it happened in heaven's gate everyone in this cult did end up killing themselves there is so they find the article that Their dad wrote about the cult and then there was like a video that showed like a little bit of the experience within the cult, including seeing an image of her as a child. And then it flips to a clip of someone walking through the cult and I believe that they do address that it was her that was the one recording.
0: Yes, because you see her hand. Yeah. You see her hand and you can tell it's the hand of a child. Pull the cloth off of one of their faces.
1: Yes, so it's, you see a bunch of bodies laying on in beds with purple cloth draped over them, and then when she pulls the cloth off of them, you see them with a piece of duct tape over their mouth, and mm. it says sin on it.
0: Which I don't believe was... I don't believe that was a detail that was present on the Heaven's Gate bodies. No. But that video footage is lifted directly like it is shot for shot the exact same as the San Diego Sheriff's Department mm-hmm. footage of going through the Rancho Santa Fe property mm-hmm. when they found the bodies like that that footage is you know burned into our cultural memory and it is it is almost shot for shot mm-hmm. except for the fact that it was police officers who were filming You know, the real footage and in the movie, it's it's presented as being filmed by this little girl Mm -hmm. who was the sole survivor of this mass suicide. Yes.
1: Um, So just to, to add to the trauma that this girl has experienced. So the kids end up being forced into meeting Grace. So I do also want to point out, because at this point, we have not seen Grace at all. With the exception of, like, her shadow in the back of her head, but she's walking away, going through the gate for a split second. Mm -hmm. Like, we do not see her face at all. We do not see her face until exactly, almost exactly 21 minutes into the film.
0: Right. Well, and this is also a little bit of, like, misdirection in terms of deciding what the twist is, because Mm -hmm. you are either being led to believe that there's something supernatural happening, or you are led to believe that Grace is the villain in this movie.
1: Mm-hmm. And Grace is definitely not the villain.
0: <laughs> no, Grace Grace is a victim from beginning to end. Yes. Her actions are, are not of her own volition. No. And it really is, it's 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 pretty dark mm-hmm. when you think about it. Yes. You're like, wow, this is grim. Yep. <laughs> yeah,
1: this whole movie is really just bleak.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good word for it. Mm-hmm.
1: So they're on their way to the lodge and Grace is like trying what she can. It, like what I really appreciate about these performances is that I feel like their performances are a realistic human response, both in Grace's attempt to try to interact with them while also dealing with her trauma and Aiden and Mia's response to their mother's death.
0: Right, and their trauma. Yes, right. Like everyone is dealing with this sort of extreme trauma, except for the dad, who seems fine. But- <laughs> yeah, which makes
1: no sense. He's just like, yeah, whatever. Wife died.
0: Right, and like, and Richard Armitage is a fine actor. So like, it's not it's not his performance. It's just the way the characters, you know, that that character is written as very sort of like two dimensional. Mm-hmm. It's like he's just sort of like, okay, bye.
1: Well, and I guess it there's there's not really a way to give him any dimension. With the amount of screen time that he has, you know?
0: Right, exactly. Like, he's not hes not a huge part of the story. He's just the vehicle by which these three people come together. Mm-hmm. Because he decides to take them to this remote country lodge, his traumatized, disgruntled children, and his emotionally and mentally fragile fiancé, and then leave them all together alone. Right. While he goes back to the city to work. During Christmas.
1: Like, this man's a fucking moron. I'm sorry, but he is... Sorry, not sorry.
0: <laughs> You're not making great choices here, buddy.
1: Right. And and I get that, like, in his mind, she is mentally stable. Right. Because he doesn't know that she's still taking pills.
0: True. True. And, uh, you know, and I, I get that... I get that he trusts her Mm -hmm. and I get that like no one, no one in their right mind would be able to foresee what happened happening. Right. But like, he couldn't have thought it was going to go well. Like, even if like, even if you don't think that people are going to end up dead, like you can't possibly think this is a good idea, sir.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, Hey, you literally have experienced their interaction so far not going so well mm-hmm. it's not gonna get any better with the one person that's like the one thing that's kind of like holding the situation together leaving
0: mm-hmm. right the one thing that like they both have like a comfort connection to yes is suddenly gone like uh uh-uh, uh not gonna work no so he goes back to the city and she's sort of trying to play mom and the children are highly resistant to it especially the boy mhm and then it appears as if she sort of, like, has a come-to-Jesus moment with him where she's like, listen, this is happening, and, like, we need to deal with it, and we need to figure out some way to interact with each other, because otherwise we're just both going to be miserable.
1: Right. And the reason that she—the part of the reason that she brings it up is because he's been so resistant to it interacting with her this whole time, and then she ends up catching him spying on her when she's in the shower.
0: Right. Which is also honestly kind of like a part that I I don't quite get how it fits.
1: Yeah, it didn't really make sense. It didn't really fit with the rest of the story.
0: Right. Like I mean, I guess it's just sort of like, oh, he's a he's a teenage boy and she's a, a pretty young woman and right. This is just him being generally a creep, but like, mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't really f- it doesn't really mesh with his motivations. It seems to me.
1: Yeah, that was it. Was kind of a random moment. It was. Like, I guess that was, like, her... I mean, it made her angry. In a way. Yeah, I mean, it
0: made her angry enough to, like, confront him and be like, listen, Junior.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Like, no, no, no.
0: Shape up. So as a peace offering, he makes her some hot cocoa. Right. And they all actually have, like, a, you know, pretty decent evening. Aren't they watching The Thing?
1: Yes. They start off with watching The Thing. And they're at that lovely, iconic moment where they're like i can't remember exactly what's happening all that i remember is that like isn't he like trying to like revive one of them with like a defibrillator and then all of a sudden his stomach opens up and clamps down in his arms and bites his arms off that movie is so it's just great
0: it is great (laughs) and it's also it's it's a great it was a great choice for them to be watching yes because a it's about like snowbound people and like crazy things happening mm-hmm. right so like it's it's just a general like the general vibe is good but also it is all about not knowing where the evil's coming from right right like that is what the thing is about you do not know who you can trust mm-hmm. and at this point in the movie we still have no idea where the evil's coming from
1: mm-hmm. right mm-hmm.
0: so good choice i, I um, liked
1: that yeah yeah, it was a nice, it was a really nice throw in. And and I love that she's like, can we change right, this? Like, 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 how about we watch something happier? Right, like,
0: this is not family fun, right? And, like, she's got, like, an eight-year-old there. And she's like, maybe I shouldn't be showing right. this movie to her. Right. right. Like, well, and then I'm like, but then you pick
1: Jack Frost, where the dad dies. You're showing a kid who just, just lost, lost their mother. right?
0: <laughs> just lost a parent, a movie about a parent dying.
1: Like we're 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 zero for two here. Right, yeah.
0: <laughs> Not a better choice.
1: <laughs> Let her watch no.
0: the thing. She'll probably have yeah. fewer nightmares.
1: <laughs> right. So they're having a good time. She's enjoying her hot cocoa. Mia's like, oh, I'm cold. And Aiden offers to pull out the gas heater. Mm-hmm. And this is a like blunt direct. Mm-hmm. Like statement on the fact that he literally this lights is fucking... the gla-
0: gas like he literally he, lights, yeah. lights the gas <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's like and this is where the gaslighting begins
0: <laughs> although one could argue that it had already started because there is the scene where she accidentally don- dons the mother's hat and i remember when we were watching it like why is that hat still there we all went like why is that hat even still there like who left that hat there and it's like Clearly, the children did. Right. Right? Like, left it specifically where she'd be like, oh, I can put this on. Right. Just so they could attack her for wearing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, there is the the little girl's like, look at the video we made for my dad for Christmas. And it's like, just footage of the mother.
1: Right. No, that's true.
0: To whom he was not, you know, he was, it's not, it's different than, I mean, I get. I get it that there's like a certain dynamic when there is a widow or a widower who has found a new person. And, like, the the new person has to be, like, very understanding that, like, there's always going to be a place in the heart of, of their partner for the partner that they had lost previously. Right. But that's assuming that that widower or widower was still in, like, a happy, loving relationship with that person when they died.
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: this is a different situation where, like, he clearly didn't care very much about her
1: yeah like at you all you know
0: like it's, it's the way that it's presented is that he did not give one one single shit about her like that the only reason he cared mm-hmm. at all is because she was the mother of his children right. Um. so yeah so it was an interesting I, I feel like that was definitely not actually a tribute to their mother that they were giving their father but like just that they showed that to her to like hurt her Right. to be like you'll never be her. See,
1: and I and I while I agree with that, this was also like that was also the point where like she and Grace kind of or like Grace and Mia started kind of like getting along a little bit. Like True. it it was a like I feel like in a in a way like it was kind of a dual action. So I feel like I do agree that in a way like that was a gaslighting moment, but I feel like it was almost non-intentional in being gaslighting but it because of all the other actions that have been happening Mm -hmm. it falls into that category because like this is the point where like grace and me are like kind of having a conversation and starting to get like get along a little bit a little bit a little
0: bit yes but also we don't know how long the plan was in place because aiden's olive branch is the hot cocoa Right. So, you know, it's hard to tell exactly when, because, like, this plan took preparation. Like, again, this is is the point, again, that I made, that I um, brought up earlier, where, like, the longer you think about it, the longer it's like, wait a minute, how did these two kids pull this off? Right, Right. but (laughs) no matter who it is, like, even if you suspend your disbelief that, like, a 13-year-old and an 8-year-old could pull this off, it's still, Mm -hmm. like... It would still take a lot of prep. Like, they didn't decide that night to do this. So, it's like... No, this was not a spur-of-the-moment How much of a slow burn was this plan? So, like, was Mm -hmm. Mia starting to be nice to her and, like, starting to bond with her a little bit part of the plan? Or was Mia starting to bond with her sort of... um, In spite of herself, right? Just because, like... She's right. a little girl who lost her mother, and now there's this this kind of, like, cool lady there who's, like, and when she gets mm-hmm. to know her, and, like, that she's actually not bad at all. Like, she's a nice lady, and, like, she wants a mom, and here's this lady who's willing to be her mom. And so she starts to, like, veer from the plan just a little bit.
1: hmm Right. Well, and, yeah, and considering the fact that she is, like, mostly an innocent child like i can see that being the case where she's like there is this plan in place but like she's not i mean children aren't born evil generally right. <laughs> you know
0: there is definitely the distinct feeling that the mastermind is the brother
2: yes and that he's just sort of yeah.
0: pulling this other child along with him so mm-hmm. if if one of them was going to crack it it was going to be the girl Right, and she is ultimately the one who's like, even at her like tender age, is the one who's like, we need to stop. Yep. So, but yeah, it is. It's an interesting scene with the with the video and the snow angels, because they also mm-hmm. that's when they, that's how they show her that the snow angels were a thing.
1: Right. That's true.
0: That's what. Also tells me that that might have been part of the plan,
1: because mm-hmm. if
0: they were planning to put all those snow angels in later, they had to show her that the snow angels were significant.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They so they made the they made the hot cocoa and then they wake up the mo- next morning and the electricity and the gas is yes. shut off and everything's gone.
1: Yeah. So yeah, everything's gone. The warm clothes are gone, the decorations are even gone.
0: Most of the food is gone. The food's
1: gone. Yeah, just about all of it. Her um cell phone's dead, the power's out, and the worst aspect of it all is that her medication's missing. And like this is kinda of the beginning of the mm-hmm. end for Grace. Oh. And her adorable dog. Is missing.
0: Yes. Her dog is gone.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, which I, we didn't really address her dog actually. So just a really quick talk about it. Like she specifically mentions about her dog that this was like kind of her, like she almost references her dog as like a coping mechanism.
0: Right. It's almost, it's like an emotional support animal.
1: Yes. Um, so the fact that it goes missing is just extra horrible. Right.
0: very upsetting. Mhm. She is however most distressed about the loss of her medication, however. She is like freaks out. Well. Yes. And she does immediately suspect the children. Like she mm-hmm. she does sort of say like okay this isn't funny. Like we're going to stop this now. Like what the fuck are you doing? You know what I mean. Like she, she does suspect mm-hmm. the children initially. Then she starts to sort of doubt herself. Mm-hmm. She starts sleepwalking because she's going through withdrawal and she's just like really stressed out. And that's one of the things that she does um, when she is struggling mentally is that she sleep sleepwalks. So she keeps like waking up in different. But we also don't know how many times the boy drugs her. That's true. Right? Like, is she sleepwalking because she doesn't have her meds? Or is she sleepwalking because she's being drugged?
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Or, I mean, some combination of the two, I guess.
1: Right. So, well, the kids are trying to keep it together and try to make it, like, kind of play it off that they're not the ones that did this um and of course at this point you don't know that it was them uh grace catches mia talking on the phone but the phone's dead which that was another thing that i'm like they made it seem like mia was actually talking to her dad during this whole situation mm-hmm. and then her phone ended up dying mm-hmm. so i'm like the, the phone just happened to die right then or was the phone already dead because she killed the battery from talking to her dad and at that point she was just pretending
0: right well i mean it's hard to tell
1: yeah it's a little little difficult to say so of course because timing is just perfect in this film so power's out everything's missing including like i said their warm clothes and everything and what rolls in but a snowstorm?
0: <laughs> As a, the horror filmmaker's favorite trope
1: <laughs> right. the, storm the storm came in. <laughs> rolls in. <laughs>
0: there has to be a storm. There has yes. to be a storm. Um Right, which obviously which obviously the children did not do. <laughs> that right. was one that right. was just that sort was... of like lucky for their plan that and maybe right. actually, they might not have been anticipating that because I think that part of it is that it, it does get out of hand, right? Like they lose control of the situation. Oh, and I yes. think part of it was, was because they didn't expect the storm and they didn't expect to actually be snowed in and they didn't expect this whole, this whole sort of like farce to go on so long because I think they expected her to leave. Right. Yep. They expected her to like flee, but she couldn't because of the storm. So now they're just like sort of mm-hmm. stuck perpetuating it. Um, she does try to leave. She tries to sort of she tries to go for help at one point, but ends up sort of getting lost because the entire there's just pure whiteout outside and she can't see where she's going. And um, mm-hmm. she at this point is losing her grip on reality already. And comes mm-hmm. upon a single house that you don't even know if the house is there. But the person inside the house definitely isn't there. Because the person inside the house is her father. <laughs> so.
1: Well, and not only that, but that house is specifically in right. the shape of a cross. And
0: and it's like the only other structure that she comes across. So, right. you know, mm-hmm. really that scene. I mean, that's a that's a gorgeous scene. Because you don't actually know if she's actually outside. You don't know if she's sleepwalking, you don't know if the house is a dream, you don't know if the house is actually there. You know the dad's not there, but like is it a vision? Is it a ghost? Is it a dream? Is it a is it a, you know, a hallucination? You are mm-hmm. like that, I think is the height of the point where you really have no freaking clue what's going on. And it's just it's just I I liked that whole thing a lot. And she eventually does manage to also, when I was most convinced that they were dead, because, again, in the others, when the, when Nicole Kidman tries to leave and the fog just gets thicker and thicker and thicker until she like she's like, oh, you can't, well, you can't right. leave the lodge because you're dead. <laughs> like I was so convinced, I was right, so convinced. Right,
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a that was a good like yeah, because she yeah she circled right back to the right, right back that, to that the lodge. Like
0: there was literally there was no escape.
1: Right so basically like the next like shit like 20 minutes of the film is of her just kind of losing it so she like you said she's sleepwalking she ends up trying to escape she goes finds this house um one thing that i did want to address too is that the the house itself is slightly filled with religious things there are crosses um there is a giant painting of mm-hmm. mary at least that's inspired by yeah. the painting right. of mary
0: once again questioning the father's choices where like you didn't think to take some of this shit down you literally study the cult in which this woman was raised right. like you know exactly what kind of cult it was you don't think that it would be hard for her to stare at this stuff all day rights like not just not a not a man who thinks things through no
1: no this man is clearly a journalist and not a psychiatrist Uh or psychologist he doesn't know how the psyche works so while she's in the middle of losing it she gets back home to the lodge and the kids pull out a newspaper article that shows that they're dead
0: This was after Mia has t- had told her that she had a dream in which they were dead, and she found they mm-hmm. had buried in the snow outside for her to find when she came back from her little sojourn, a frame that said in memoriam and had a picture of the children inside. Yes. Which, again, like, how long were they planning this? Like, it's not like they printed that newspaper article out that day. Like, they had to right. have that But made.
1: Well, but you have to think, too, they have access to their father's, like, setup, so I'm sure that they had, like, you know, he has the framework, they just added the information to it.
0: That's a good point.
1: But, of course, still pointing you in the direction that they are already dead. So immediately after she burns the news article, Mia calls to Grace to, like, urgently Mm -hmm. for her to run up to the stairs, and she comes up to find Aiden hanging. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, He has hung himself from the ceiling. And he's acting like he's dead. And then suddenly he's not. And he's screaming at her to repent for her sins. Right, and that
0: this proves that they're dead because he, you know, is is Mm -hmm. hanging there by his neck and yet he's talking to her. So they must be dead. She's also hearing her father's voice. And Aiden kind of starts to mimic or mirror what her father is saying. Really, the level to which... They know what buttons to push is remarkable. Yes, it's like these. It's like these kids did research on how to break someone's brain.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and you're a freaking engineer, and you know how to hang yourself without actually right? hanging like, yourself. Right? Like, are you
0: do, are you like a theater kid? Like, why? What do you in Fucking. Right. Why do you have this harness? So like, why do you have a harness? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, again, once you start to, like, actually think through the things that the children did, you're, you kind of go, like, wait, wait a minute. How did they pull this off? How did they hide everything in the house in that crawl space? How did they move? Right. Like, some of the furniture was moved. So, like, how did they move the furniture by themselves, like, up the stairs? Right. How did they know how to make the newspaper article? How did he know how to hang himself without actually hanging himself?
1: I mean, they had months to plan for this, unfortunately. So I mean,
0: I guess they did. I guess they did. But again, thats I suppose that just goes back to, like, how long were they planning it?
1: Right. Well, I guess they knew that they were going to meet her on Thanksgiving. So they had from Thanksgiving till Christmas to plan this. So they had a month. Mm-hmm. I feel that's like that's... I. I feel like it's enough time to maybe do the article. And that's about as far as I'd get.
0: Right. Well, I mean, but you also have to, like, these were also, like, kids who clearly weren't, like, very well supervised because the dad was off in La La Land, right. but, like, they still had to do all this stuff without it being noticed in the interim.
1: Right. That's true.
0: You know? But anyway, the, f- the first clue that you as the audience gets about what's really happening is this shot of the top floor of the lodge... With the harness the boy used to fake his hanging, lying on the floor and the recording of the dad's voice playing of I'm sorry, the, the recording of her dad's voice, the, the cult leader's voice playing. And you're like, oh, it's fake at that. like That was the point where I went, oh, my God, Amanda, you're right.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Yeah.
0: Like they are doing it. Oh, my God. And that is when so she runs out of the house. Mm -hmm. because of the boy, what the boy is saying when he hangs himself and because she's hearing her father's voice so she runs out of the house she starts like doing the whole like walking in circles thing and eventually she sort of wanders off finds the dog Mm
2: -hmm.
0: which has frozen to death which i don't think they intended no like i do think the girl was telling the truth when she said that she accidentally let let the dog out because i think that she i think they accidentally let the dog out when they were, like, burying the stuff in the snow for her to find.
1: Yep, I think so, too.
0: So I do think that, and that was the first sort of, like, sign of remorse that either of them had, was the little girl starts crying because they killed the dog. Like, never mind that they are driving this woman insane. She's sad because they killed the dog.
1: Right. Which, I mean, the dog was completely innocent in the situation. I mean, she was, too, in her own way, but not to them.
0: Right, Yeah.
1: So this is the point where Aiden and Mia confess their sins to Grace.
0: Right. They tell her that it's all fake. They were pretending it was them. She has to come inside because she's going to freeze to death. I think they also realize that like, she is the adult. Right. And like, I think they realize kind of how screwed they are because the electricity actually isn't working now because of the storm. Mm-hmm. And like she's the adult and like the one who has been feeding them and so they like try to find her pills and give them to her. She won't take them because now she has she has she has fully lost her grip on reality. She's had a psychotic break and she is convinced that they are dead. Right. They have done they have done what they wanted to do she is convinced that she is like in purgatory Mm -hmm. like she's right back where her father put her as a little girl and the only way out is sacrifice at which point daddy comes home (laughs) right
1: yes well she ends up like kneeling on um burning logs trying to repent for her sins this is something that they catch her doing when they go downstairs and they freak out and they lock themselves up in the attic
0: right like yeah she's she's now into like full like uh self-flagellation mode Mm -hmm. which is never a great place for someone to be like not not really usually at least in modern times like really past like you know seventeen hundred. Somebody's self flagellating, it's probably not a good sign. Yeah. Like there was there was sort of like, you know, perfectly sane people who did it before then, but after a, like after maybe like the scientific revolution. Not really something people do that much anymore. At least <laughs> especially not like, you know random young women. Right. So bad news bears and they realize that they have fucked up and that they have actually broken this woman and Mm -hmm. they are now two children who are in a house alone with their only, their only adult being this woman who they have now fully broken and is in a psychotic state and they're like, oh shit, we need to hide because she is convinced that they all need to sacrifice Mm -hmm. because they have convinced her of that. Right. Like, that was, you know... They weren't saying, you're dead. They're saying, we are dead. Mm -hmm. All of
1: us. So, Grace ends up finding them because Mia ends up going downstairs to use the restroom. And catches her. Ends up following her upstairs. And tells Grace that she needs to burn her doll. That she has, right? And is telling them that, like, even though they're, they're screaming that, you know, this was all just for pretend. She's like, you need to release yourself of your earthly sins and Mm -hmm. sacrifice something for the Lord, hence burning the doll.
0: Right. Which is a symbolic sacrifice.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Not really what Grace had in mind.
1: No, no, not quite. This is the point where then Grace is going to sacrifice them, not sacrifice them. She's going to, them of their sins
0: right i mean yes right the point of yes i mean generally very broadly speaking mass suicides in cult situations are not seen as punishment they are it's seen as like you don't do it because you're bad mm-hmm. you know you you do it because you are Leaving this sinful world or you are transcending to the next level or or, I mean there are there are different individual Justifications and ideologies Varying from group to group But it is very rarely like we're just gonna kill ourselves or, or you need to kill yourself because you're awful It is because that's not How you keep someone in a cult? Right. right, you keep someone in a cult by telling them that they're that they're special mm-hmm. and that they're different than everyone else, and that and that this is, that this is ultimately going to be a good thing. You cannot break somebody down psychologically enough to keep them in a cult just by telling them they're bad. Mm-hmm. You have to tell them they're bad, but you also have to tell them that they're good. So like you have to tell them that they're awful and sinful and and you know, their human carnal ways are, you know, against God. But then you also have to tell them that there is a way out where they can be, where they can rise above. Mm -hmm. And that's usually when the suicide talk starts.
1: Right. So this is the point where daddy's home goes upstairs to find grace with the kids
0: Walks into the house to find, like, all the shit gone. Like, right. he, he, too, is like, what the fuck? Right, what the know? Hell's like... <laughs> happening?
1: And finds Grady dead. The dog.
0: Right. Like, finds the Grady. dog is dead. Mm-hmm. All of their phones are dead. He hasn't been able to get a hold of any of them. All the lights are off. The heat's clearly off. It's freezing in there. Right. All of the stuff is gone. Like, he's like, what the hell?
1: Mm-hmm. And goes upstairs to find Grace... With the gun.
0: Which he had shown her. Okay. Yeah. This one really pissed me off. This one pissed me off. Like.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: He's like, here, honey. Woman who, like, witnessed a mass suicide as a child and has had suicidal ten- suicidal tendencies herself as an adolescent and as an adult. Here's my gun. Yep. And I'm even going to show you how to use it. Like. What is wrong with you, sir? Like, it's it's just, like, I'm not sure. It's almost, like, it goes beyond him just being, like, dumb to, like, him being in denial.
1: Yep. Yeah, like, willfully ignorant.
0: <laughs> right, like, he has met this, like, beautiful, young, exciting, fun woman, and he, like, just wants to ignore the fact that she has, like, major issues. And not to, say, not to say that, like, under different circumstances, she could have lived a long, happy life, right? Like, I don't want to say that, that her sort of losing it was inevitable, because it was absolutely something that was done to her.
2: hmm
0: Right? Like, she was capable right. of, being, of, having a, of having a healthy, happy life. However... Having a partner who sort of willfully ignored any warning signs was not ever the way that she was going to do that. And in the same way, he seemed determined to just sort of like push his late wife's death away in a mm-hmm. sort of like, oh, well, okay, there's a thing that happened, and like, clearly my children will be fine as long as I can get them to accept that they have a new mommy now. Right. Which is also, like, not how people and brains and grief and emotions work. So yeah. Sir. Sir. And you certainly don't give her a gun.
1: <laughs> poor life choices all around. <laughs>
0: right? <laughs> poor life choices in your life. Poor life choices in your children's lives. Yep. Poor life choices in everybody. But anyway, so, yes, yeah, So, she has the gun. Mm-hmm. She's threatening the children.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh. Well, she's threatening... She's not even threatening the children at this point. She's threatening herself. She's, she's holding the gun to her own head and going to kill herself. And then telling him that it's okay because we're already dead. And she ends up pulling the trigger and the gun doesn't go off.
0: Right. It jams.
1: Right. And she thinks, and and I'm like, of course it jams.
0: Right. Because that's her proof that she's dead. Right. She did pull the trigger. Nothing happened. Mm -hmm. So that's because she's dead.
1: So she ends up pointing the gun to Richard and he's trying to take the gun from her and, and calm her down and, and just be like, it's okay. Just give me the gun. And she pulls the trigger anyways.
0: She does. And shoots him right between the eyes, Mm -hmm. which is this moment of like, I will say this is this moment of like, how in control is she? Mm Right. Right like like generally I do believe that she is a victim and that she is you know like has lost her mind however the accuracy of that shot like might have just been for like cinematic sake but like if if you sort of take a step back and look at that as an actual situation that was a kill shot yeah and A the fact that somebody who didn't actually know how to use a gun was able to do that in the first place. But I don't know. It's just... It's an interesting... It's an interesting well, moment.
1: But she did know how to use the gun, remember? He was showing her how to use it, and she knew right away how to shoot that gun.
0: That's true. Well, I suppose... I mean, I guess that's true. I suppose that one thing that insular extremist religious groups and cults tend to do is they tend to prepare for war.
2: hmm
0: Right? Like, they, they just assume... That the outside world is going to intervene, right? Which they usually do in some way, shape, or form. Usually because there's like you know, massive amounts of abuse going on, um, which is also something that's never fully addressed, right? That Mm -hmm. as the daughter of a cult leader, she probably did not have a very pleasant childhood, right? Because there's like really only one direction that those that those men go. And it, uh, it always is in the same direction. And it always involves, like, it always involves the little girls. hmm So, like, it is, it is very possible that she was trained in some kind of, like, at least minimal combat as right. a child. Mm-hmm. Because they would have, if they had not committed suicide en masse, the idea would have also been that they were going to go to war against the the you know heretics right the the rest of us right Mm -hmm.
1: so dad's dead dad's dead and grace ends up sitting both the kids down at the table Mm -hmm. sitting their dead father at the head of the table and repeating that they should um repent for their sins
0: Repent for their sins. She starts singing Nearer My God to Thee, which would be the most, absolute, most terrifying thing to hear someone Mm -hmm. who has a gun singing. Right. (laughs) Right. The number one thing you do not want to hear coming out of the mouth of someone who is holding a a weapon, like a Mm -hmm. deadly weapon, is Nearer My Fucking God to Thee. Like, (laughs) nope. (laughs) It's when you nope right out of there.
1: (laughs) Well, and... They know what's going to happen, and oh yeah,
0: they just watched it happen to their dad, and they know they know what's going to happen because they watched all the footage, they watched all the the they read all the research about the cult, right? Like they know mm-hmm. where her mind is
1: exactly, going. and uh, they end up singing along with her.
0: Well, the singing along, like it might have been that that they're starting to lose it too, right? right? Because. I mean, at the end of the day, they are children, mm-hmm. and this is an incredibly traumatic experience, and they might also be starting to buy into their own bullshit just because it's like they just watched their father get murdered in front of right. them. And, like, this was clearly not their intention, right? Yeah, like, this was not What they wanted to do, they <laughs> wanted to scare her away. Yes. Like, that was, they wanted her to leave.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Because if they wanted her dead, they would have just let her sit there in the snow until she froze to death. hmm Right. But they didn't. They brought her inside. Right. Or, I mean, they tried to bring her inside. Eventually they managed to get her inside. Um, but it could have also been, like, their thought of that Richard was arguing with her and she pulled the trigger. hmm Right? So they might be thinking, if we go along with her, maybe she won't kill us. Right. And we don't actually know if that plan was successful or not.
1: Right. You 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 can assume that that was the case because she ends up putting the tape over each of their mouths that say sin, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the final shot is a close up of the gun with three right. bullets in it.
0: Mhm. Yep. I mean, for sure. Yes. You you are left you are led in a very strongly in the direction that she does go through with it and she does kill herself and the children. Mm-hmm. But you don't know for sure.
1: Right. She could have just killed herself.
0: She could have snapped out it. Mm-hmm. One of them could have grabbed the gun and shot her before she had a chance to shoot them. Right. You know, I mean I'm just saying like that the the decision to leave that ambiguous I think was a smart one. Yeah. No, I agree. One thing that I found interesting when I was doing just some quick research on the development and production of this film. Mm -hmm. Is that this is also a movie that was filmed in order. Ah. When we talked about the shining, we talked about how Kubrick was hell bent on filming the movie in chronological order. And I talked about how that contributed to the sort of overall like slow burn of tension that they were able to maintain, right? Or I, I sort of argued that that might have been a reason why that was. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, obviously, they didn't have to build their set. Their set was already there. Like they used a. I think they said. I think they said the house was a um, house that was like on a golf course.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right.
0: Right, so, so they didn't have to build their set, so it was a lot easier for them to, and probably a lot less expensive for them to film the movie in chronological order than The Shining. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because it is such a similar buildup of tension, right? Even though the plots are different, um, and even though, you know, The Lodge is a decent film, it's never going to be like, the absolute, like, um, you know, touchstone of cinema that The Shining is. But there are a lot of common elements. Like, they obviously drew inspiration from The Shining, where, like, the idea of this person just sort of slowly going insane for whatever reason in this sort of snowbound place. it's, It's interesting to me, and I would love to know if the filmmakers knew that The Shining was filmed in chronological order and if that influenced their decision to film their movie in chronological order because it's clear that they they found influence in The Shining. I don't know. It was just cool. Like when I read that I was like, "Oh." That is you. really
1: interesting. Yeah.
0: Um so yeah. Fun fun little tidbit. They yeah. uh this is another movie that they sort of shirked the traditional way of doing things and went ahead and just filmed this movie scene by scene. Nice.
1: So another thing that I wanted to, I don't think that I I had addressed it earlier either, actually, but I just wanted to address the scene, the scenery itself and the, like the, or not the scenery necessarily, but the setting, I guess kind of both. So Mm -hmm. I, I love that the outside is so open and the inside of the lodge is just so dark and cold and closed and, you feel trapped in every space that you're in. Which it's interesting because when you see the outside of the
0: lodge, it looks huge. I agree. They again, probably taking Mm -hmm. influence from The Shining, they created this setting where they managed to make a very large structure seem claustrophobic. Right. Because they are trapped there. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. It does seem, it seems much too small. Yes. In some places. Like, why this family has like, a winter cabin, essentially, that's like the size of a banquet hall, I have no idea. Right. But like, the size of a hotel? Like, but I agree, they did do a good job of that. Like, the, the atmosphere inside is suffocating, but the atmosphere outside is also not really any better because it's so disorienting. Right. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Right. So like, it it doesn't matter which space you're in, whether you're in the outdoor space or the indoor space, you are experiencing some sort of like mental distress because Mm -hmm. of your surroundings at the very least, you know, grace certainly is. So, yeah. I, I think that's that's an interesting takeaway as well.
1: And then just one other quick thing that I wanted to address that I, I was surprised that I didn't really see in like any of the research that I did. They definitely use natural lighting. Like they didn't use any, it didn't seem like they used any artificial lighting at all in the film.
0: No, it doesn't seem that way. And it, I mean, it's possible that they just had a very talented lighting person who was able to create that effect. Mm -hmm. But it definitely does feel like, um, they are just using atmospheric light. You're correct. Mm -hmm. Like, um, just the, the temperature of the light and the level of the light and, um, the way the light changes throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And if they did do that, If they did use atmospheric light, that adds a huge complication to the filming process, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: right? Because you have to, in addition to wanting to film the movie in chronological order, you then have to film the movie each scene during the time of day you want it to take place. Yep. Uh-huh. right like if it's an afternoon scene so it's relatively bright in the lodge compared to you know late afternoon uh-huh. for example um or early morning then like you have to get that scene shot in those afternoon hours uh-huh. and if they were using atmospheric light i i would venture to guess and i i actually didn't find this information i'm sure it's available somewhere but i would venture to guess that they were also filming in the winter just given the the temperature of the light it didn't look like summer light it looked like winter light
1: so i found that the movie was actually made in a very short period of time basically the rest of the cast and i know mind you of course the 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 cast is small right but the cast joined in february of 2018 Mm -hmm. principal photography started in march of 2018 and ended that same month so that whole movie was filmed within w- was filmed in less than a month, which makes sense with them filming it in order.
0: Right, filming it in order and having and filming on location. Right. Like having this just big empty house. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: That they basically they basically only had to do set design once. Right. And then it's just like okay, go in this room now. Well, I guess they had to do it twice. So I guess they had to have the house as it was at the beginning. And then the house, once it was, like, once they started the gaslighting mm-hmm. and, like, all the shit was gone. So they had to do it twice. But still not, like, having to build whole new sets for, right? you know, different parts of the movie.
1: And then otherwise they filmed in some other two random houses for the other beginning scenes. And that was, like, it.
0: Right. For, like, the house where the mother kills herself and then the house where the father lives. Right. So
1: since it is definitely tied into this film, uh, Katie, Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit uh, about Heaven's Gate.
0: Sure, I'd be glad to. Heaven's Gate was a religious group in the late 20th century that went through a lot of different itinerations and called themselves a lot of different things before arriving in its sort of like final state in the late 90s to where they were calling themselves Heaven's Gate and their ideology and ritual and all of that was really solidified and like really well-developed at that point. Uh, and that is, is sort of, that final form is what we think of when someone says Heaven's Gate, right? But it actually was around for a long time. And as much as Heaven's Gate as any cult is, Uh, was an aberration, right? Mm -hmm. Like, cults are not normal. There is so much about the ideology and behavior of Heaven's Gate that is reflective of the larger American culture in the late 20th century, which is part of the reason that they are so fascinating. Mm -hmm. Whereas a lot of cults tend to sort of be obsessed with the past and, and kind of like... We're not gonna, you know, a lot of cults, they, like, say, we're not gonna use electricity, or, like, we're gonna go to the desert and set up tents or something, right? Like, this was, this was a a truly modern group of people, which, I don't know why, but that just makes, uh, that's always made Heaven's Gate really interesting to me, is that they were actually very, like, future-focused, which is relatively unusual. So, what would eventually become known as Heaven's Gate Uh, was founded in around 1975 by Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles. Bonnie Nettles was a nurse. Marshall Applewhite was the son of a Presbyterian minister. Um, He was working as a teacher for a while. He was fired from the university for allegedly having sex with a male student. It has been theorized that the aspect of the Heaven's Gate ideology that dealt with the cleansing of impure sexual thoughts that led eight members of the group, including Applewhite, to actually undergo castration so that they would it would be easier for them to remain celibate um, was a sort of very extreme manifestation of his struggle with his own homosexual tendencies. That being said, I don't want to call him a gay man for two reasons. First of all, he clearly did not want to be a gay man and Mm -hmm second as a gay, I don't really want him. No, Thank you very much. Not welcome
1: in this club. <laughs>
0: right? <laughs> but Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles were was one of those pairings that, like, you just wonder what kind of, like, fucked-up stars in the universe had to align for these two to come together because they hit it off immediately and they just fed into each other's delusions to the point where, like, none of this wouldn't happen would have happened with either one of them individually and I don't even think that any of this would have happened necessarily with either one of them with another person. Right. Right? It was like, these two people at this time, in this environment, specifically. hmm And, you know, there are those pairs, like, I always think this way about, like, um, pairs of serial killers as well. You know?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely.
0: Where it's like, um, like, like, How did this happen? How did these two people find each other?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Right. Um, But anyway, starting in the 1970s, there was a a sort of broad interest in alternative religiosity, right? Um, The New Age movement and numerology and astrology and all of these, all of these like either replacements for or augmentations to sort of traditional American Protestantism. Mm-hmm. Or Catholicism, right? Where, like, these... And there there was a lot of sort of mixing of Christianity, like, kind of into these things. And that is exactly what Heaven's Gate did. Both Bonnie Nettles and Marshall Applewhite, but especially Bonnie Nettles. Like, one thing that's interesting, Bonnie Nettles died in 1985. So she's not talked about as much because she wasn't around for the end. Right. Right? And what everyone talks about is the end. hmm but Bonnie Nettles was really a driving force in, in both the development of the ideology of Heaven's Gate and her, like, encouragement and her encouragement and kind of recruitment, in a way, of Applewhite, right? Like, from my research, it made it sound like she was really the one that convinced him that he was, like, a descendant of Jesus. right. Right, like that, she was the one that was all about them being um, the two witnesses to the to the apocalypse as as prophesized in Revelations. That a lot of the sort of Christian theosophy actually came from her. That being said, that kind of stuff, that sort of like you know, I'm I'm we are the prophesized people. I'm descended from Jesus. That's pretty normal cult stuff, right? Right. A lot of cults do that. What Heaven's Gate did that's interesting and made them unique was they fused that with science fiction. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they loved Star Trek and they loved Star Wars. They they you know, movies like they would have movie nights where they watched like Close Encounters of the Third Kind. <laughs> In their ideology, there was a God, right? God was not a concept. God was not a, a, a sort of formless force, right? God was an alien. Mm-hmm. Like an actual being that was like in a higher plane of the universe. And that we were basically like his science experiment. And that it was possible to transcend this level and get to that higher evolutionary level. And their whole idea was they were they were already at a higher level and they were going to go to an even higher level. Right. So this is kind of what I was talking about with like how you keep people in a cult. You can't just you have to break them down. Uh-huh. Right? So you have to like you have to tell them that their their materialism and their, you know, their carnal desires and their appetites are sinful and they're bad and awful humans. Right. But you also have to tell them that they're special and you have to tell them that they are above and that they are capable of transcending and they are capable of, of either divinity or closeness to divinity. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, there are two really interesting things about heaven's gate that I want to bring up before I get to how it ended. One is that, uh, they were really into the master cleanse, which I find hilarious because again it's it's like they took the like overarching cultural um trends of the late 20th century and just like did them to to like level 25 right mm-hmm. like so you know the master cleanses where you like drink nothing but but i think it's like lemon juice and cayenne pepper and like syrup or something for like a week right and it's supposed to like completely realign your immune system or whatever the fuck. It's bullshit. It's always been bullshit. Your body is very good at cleansing itself. You do not need to drink nothing but lemon juice. You really should eat real food. However, the Heaven's Gate adherents believed in this and they would do it like they would have new recruits and new acolytes do the Master Cleanse for like three months. Oh god. Which to me seems like it's barely survivable. Like I don't even know how they manage to keep people conscious after like being on a liquid diet for, for three months at a right. time. But what that does do is the lack of nutrition, the lack of nutrition, the lack of calories, the lack of protein, like it makes people easier to control.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like there are literally physiological effects to like starvation, and nutrient and various nutrient deficiencies that would make it easier to brainwash someone. Like this is documented as like a way to brain, like if you need to brainwash someone, you should do this. One of those things involves what you feed them. So it's interesting that like just coincidentally, this extreme nutritional like restriction was built into their ideology, right right? Secondly, when I say that they are a thoroughly modern group, um, they are the first cult of the internet age. And really, we should have seen what was coming based on what Heaven's Gate did, right? Mm-hmm. Because they made, movie, or they made movies. They, na- they did not make movies. Well, I mean, I guess they did. <laughs> but just those little videos with like just him talking and they weren't very interesting. Right. They made money by designing websites. Mhm. Like that is how they funded. They had sort of like an entire company called Higher Source um and and they would design websites for people. Like there are there the well the Heavens Gate website is still up.
1: You yes, can it go is. to the Heavens Gate website. Yeah, it's literally heavensgate.com. It's
0: literally heavensgate.com. <laughs> yeah. Mm.
1: yeah.
0: Um and it's still like it it is still the exact web page that was there in 1997. Mhm like when they put up their final message before they, you know, quote unquote transcended. Mm -hmm. Right. But they were also the first cult that realized the effectiveness of the internet as a recruitment tool. And in addition to using it to make money and just to fund their, to fund their activities. Right. Because obviously everyone who joined the cult had to give up all their worldly possessions, had to give them all their money. So that was one way to get mm-hmm. income, but that can only sustain it for so long, right? As like the people stay in there longer, you're going to run out of their money. So you need to keep generating income somehow. Um, but, and that's why I say we really should have seen like the current climate coming based on like what Heaven's Gate was able to do, Um but really, by the time they were on the internet, it was actually the group had actually dwindled a little bit by then, right? Mm-hmm. Because after Bonnie Nettles died in 1985, she died of cancer in 1985. Um, Applewhite went even more extreme. And that was sort of when the when the focus started to shift more toward him as like a cult of personality type of thing. Mm-hmm and when the talk of having to die in order to transcend started like before bonnie nettles died there was virtually no talk of like mass suicides or anything like they were they were going to transcend with their bodies like and it was going to be fine after she died and apple white was left to his own devices things got even weirder Right. Until a group of 39 individuals, including Apple White, ingested a mixture of barbiturates and alcohol. And they did this. It's crazy because, like, you think of, like, how... So they did it in waves, right? Based on the time of death that the San Diego um, County Coroner's Office estimated that, like, there was a group of, say, 15 of them who died three days before they were found and then there was a group of 15 of them that died two days before they were found right so the suicides were assisted by other members of the group and i think that is the creepiest aspect of it this for me because if you think of something like Jonestown, right they were all doing it at the same time right right they had the the big vat of the poisoned um you know, the poisoned fruit punch, not going to call it Kool-Aid because Kool-Aid gets very mad when you call it Kool-Aid. It wasn't Kool-Aid. And they were all taking it at the same time because, because the feds were on their way, right? Like it wasn't, it was like a, an emergency situation in their minds. Right. And in reality, it was just an unspeakable tragedy. Um, but like it is so chilling to me that these, that that second group of 15 people watched the first group of 15 people die and then still did it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that just that just blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway.
1: Well, they thought that them dying, quote-unquote, I'm quoting them because that's what they thought transcending was, is that their bodies died, but their souls went on right. to this higher right plane. well
0: and i actually
1: and it's like that's well not souls but
0: i should actually say that the timing of the suicide so it was in march of 1997 and the the timing of the suicide um, coincided with the passage of the Hale bop comet and mm-hmm. part of their belief system was that god the alien right that his UFO was hidden in the tail of this comet. Right? Right. So they had to go while it was passing mm-hmm. or they'd miss their chance because mm-hmm. that comet comes around around about every like four thousand years. So like they needed to get on it now. Right? Like there was no waiting. Right. Might be two thousand years. Either way. Much longer than a normal human lifetime, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But part of the reason that I think Heaven's Gate is so famous, and I actually mentioned this when we were talking about the plot of the movie and we were talking about when the kids found the footage that the little girl, that Grace as a little girl had taken, right, was because... They all dressed alike and they always, they always all dressed alike. They did everything exactly the same. Like that was part of the rules is that each individual person was not an individual and they had to do everything exactly the same as the other people in the group. Mm-hmm. They had to eat the same things. They had to dress the same. They had to wear the same shoes. Part of the reason that they were wearing those like world famous black and white Nikes is because they could buy them in bulk.
2: Mm-hmm
0: at a discount. And, and they, got a, they got a deal on those particular shoes and that's why they were all wearing those shoes because they needed shoes for like 50 people that were all identical, right? Um, but what they did is they, they, in these waves, they took a mixture of burbichwitz and alcohol, put plastic bags over their heads. Then those who were assisting them covered them in purple shrouds and they laid down and passed out from the barbiturates and the alcohol and suffocated from the bag. And that is how they died. So, when they were found, what the um, San Diego Sheriff's Office walked into was this just crazy scene of these bodies dressed in identical clothing with identical shoes with identical purple shrouds over their faces and they were all dead Mm -hmm. and the photographs and the footage from that was just like burned into the American cultural imagination. Like I remember it and I was a Mm preteen, right? I was like, 11. I wasn't even I hadn't even turned 11 yet. I was 10. And I remember seeing those pictures. So um, that is really and truly so like, in terms of the ideology of the cult, like the cult in the movie is described as a pretty straightforward, like extremist Christian cult, right? Where it's like, much more the, like, we're gonna shirk modern life and go live in the desert and tents and, and I'm Jesus and you're gonna bow to me and we're all gonna wear, like, sackcloth, right, type of thing. But that imagery of the Purple Shroud and the, the like, single handheld camera going through the, the, like, compound and seeing all the bodies is lifted straight from the Heaven's Gate tragedy
1: mm-hmm. so yeah I mean cults in general are fascinating but like Heaven's Gate is on kind of another level
0: well I mean that's what they said
1: <laughs> it's true it's <laughs> true <They sure laughs> didn't they god damn it
0: don't put that in that was important
1: <laughs> um <laughs> I'm putting it in I'm leaving it in <laughs> <laughs>
0: But yeah, I mean, that is what, they were unusual. Yeah. Like, they had a lot of, they had a lot of the cult hallmarks.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But they also had this, like, the, the like, the internet thing, and, like, the sci-fi, like, the, and, and the, the, there was something bordering on playfulness. Yeah. Like, the patches that say Heaven's Gate Away Team. Right. That the, that the people who were going to commit suicide mm-hmm. were wearing. Right. Like, they, I mean, obviously they were happy about it because they thought that they were going to be with God on a spaceship, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, they weren't worried about dying. But also, like, they weren't just not worried about dying. They were making a joke. And, fun fact, it was a Star Trek reference. (laughs) Because the, um, the, like... Crew that would go down to the planet, like get off of the Enterprise and go down to the planet, was often referred to as the away team. Mm-hmm. So obviously, Heaven's Gate—they were doing the opposite. They were going from the planet to the spaceship. But still, right. like, it was a Star Trek reference in a cult. Like, it's—it's it's just, yeah. They—they were—they are a fascinating group of people, and I—I—I I, I always say, and I always try to like follow the like full like I, I will read an article about the like full scope of their belief system and like what their ideology actually was but it's so like nonsensical right. <laughs> that I like lose it halfway through I'm like I have no idea what these people are talking about <laughs> <laughs> like I have no idea what they believe because I'm not entirely sure they did either like they just <laughs> they had like three or four things that were solid and everything else was just kind of like muddy uh-huh. they were like yeah it's fine everything's fine because they were all hungry.
1: Right. right. <laughs> all they needed was a snack. And they would have been fine. All they needed
0: was a snack. Listen, if you get those motherfuckers a Snickers, <laughs> none of this would have happened. <laughs> Marshall, have a Snickers. You're a little megalomaniacal when you're hungry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh. So, yeah. So, I will um, do a quick little plug, too. Because, I mean, like, of course, like, we, we, we've we talked a lot about Heaven's Gate. Um, but if you want to learn even more about Heaven's Gate, I would say um, there's a new documentary that just came out on HBO Max um, that's called uh, Heaven's Gate, the Cult of Cults.
0: I saw that. I... I- I didn't watch it, but like I saw it when I was looking up the and I I want to it watch it. It is very it good?
1: good.
0: Okay, cool, cool. cool
1: so cool, cool, definitely cool. highly recommended.
0: Next week we are doing The Exorcist, which is very exciting. The Exorcist yes. is one of my favorite films of all time and uh it's it's going to it's going to be fun to delve into this one.
1: It really will be. It's actually one of the few horror movies that is actually Truly scared me.
0: Oh, it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely terrifying. Um, and I, I think that it will be... Hold on. Let me make sure I'm... Let me make sure I'm not lying to the people. I have to think about the movies we've done so far. Yeah. I think it will be the first movie uh, that we've done where there is, like, talk of a curse... like the cursed set like I don't think that any of the movies we've done have that sort of mythology around the filmmaking process itself Mm
2: -mm.
0: in the way the exorcist does and I just I I just I eat that shit up so um, (laughs) I just think it's super fun don't necessarily don't necessarily believe it but like it's interesting and it's interesting really it's interesting the way that we mythologize the making of these movies like that is what really fascinates me about it you know what I mean mm-hmm
1: um, also thank you for reminding me for adding poltergeist to, to the men- to the menu yes
0: absolutely have to do poltergeist at some point anyway so yeah so we're doing the extra so join us next week for that it's going to be it's going to be super fun until then uh, rate review and subscribe on Apple podcasts you can follow us on Spotify we're also on Google podcasts and all of your you know favorite uh, podcast platforms you can mm-hmm. follow us on Instagram at F and frights podcast you can follow us on Twitter at F and frights pod we have a website F and frights Podcast.com, or you can send us an email at scream at and frights com go ahead and scream at us um,
1: please do so we also of course have our fright club via patreon Um, so Feel free to join us on there. We will have exclusive merch eventually. Of course, we would love to hear from you as to what you would like for us to do, what would make it worth your while. So please let us know. And Katie, what is the first rule of
0: Fright Club? The first rule of Fright Club is don't steal people's meds.
1: Yeah, it's a bad idea.
0: It's a bad idea. It's not going to end well for anybody. No, no. Like, don't steal people's meds I mean, don't tell people they're dead Because that'll fuck them up But certainly do not steal their meds In any situation Bad news bears
1: Bad news bears
0: Come on, children
1: It's a bad, 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 bad idea They're on their medication for a reason, friends Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm Mm-hmm So, gays and ghouls Tune in next Friday night You'll be in for a fright
0: But until then Stay tight. time